Hi there, good morning. It's uh, my privilege to bring you God's word this morning. So turn with me in your Bibles to Luke's Gospel and chapter 22. Luke's Gospel and chapter 22. Uh, While you're turning there, let me tell you a fact that I learned this week. Remembrance Day is observed in nearly 70 countries all over the world. Um, I don't know how official that is. Uh, You'd have to visit them all to check, I suppose. But apparently 70 countries in all the world observe Remembrance Day, and Israel happens to be one of them. And what we're going to be reading about uh, today, this morning, is a Remembrance Day that took part in the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 22, because Israel has been observing a Remembrance Day for thousands of years. And so we're going to read about one here in Luke 22, and we're going to consider their remembrance and ours. So Luke 22, and from verse 7. The day that then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, that's Jerusalem, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There, make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, Jesus sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent, desire, I have desi- with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So we're going to consider from these verses their remembrance and ours. And we'll look at theirs first, shall we? Their remembrance. Now, we only read it a few seconds ago. What day was it? What day was it when this event happened in Luke 22? If you look there in verse 7, it's the day of unleavened bread. It's the Passover feast that we read um, in, in the reading earlier. It's the Passover feast, an annual festival where they would remember um, something extremely special. It was a national holiday. Uh, It was so steeped in anticipation. It was so steeped in excitement and preparation. It was more like our Christmas than our Remembrance Day in terms of how excited and how geared the whole country was towards this. Everything stops. Even Jesus' own ministry takes a back seat for this day because it's a day of rest where everything must stop and they must remember. Remember what? What is it exactly that they're remembering? 
They're remembering our reading, Exodus 12 and 13, when judgment from God came upon the families of Israel when they were in Egypt. And the Lord provided a sacrifice, a lamb, to die instead of them. And so the Lord saved them from the judgment of God by a sacrifice that he made on their behalf. And every year they remembered that sacrifice which saved them from death. Remember in the reading we had where the Lord says to Moses, he says, this will be a remembrance for you. You shall keep it every year and never, ever forget what happened here. And so on Jesus, on this day in Jesus' life, in his day, they still remembered. They still remembered. And the families used to gather year by year uh, into the same house. And they wouldn't just remember, they'd reenact the whole day. They'd take a lamb, they'd take it into their house and they'd keep it there just like they did on the first Passover. They would kill the lamb. They would prepare the same meal with the same herbs. They would prepare it with the same bread. They would recreate that whole night. They saw the same sights. They heard the same sounds and smelled the same smells, even tasted the same tasted. It was so vivid, a remembrance day. But what sort of remembrance is it? Is it the same sort of remembrance that we have about yesterday, where we just remember or recall what we did yesterday? Or is it something more evocative, something more significant? The word here, um, which means, which is translated for us, remembrance, it, it means a little bit more than that. It means to relive the event in the present to bring the past to now. It's a bit like what I sometimes call a smemory. I wonder if you've ever had any of those, where you smell something and you can't help but remember something. And it, we say, it takes me back. And when you have that sort of remembrance and you relive the moment, it might be the smell of a familiar friend or it might be the smell of a, uh, the beach or fish and chips. That's one that sets me off sometimes. And you just remember something and you go back to that moment. And it was like that for Jesus and his disciples when they remembered this sacrifice of Passover, the sacrifice which saved them from the judgment of God. They relived it. It was very personal. And it was really compelling. And we're going to look at these two things, OK, for how vivid this remembrance was. First of all, their remembrance was personal. It was personal. You remember how it was put in Exodus 13. We read it a moment ago where it says here, see Exodus 13 and verse 8. You shall tell your children in that day saying, we do this. We keep this Passover, this remembrance day because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And he says, we'll remember it. When your son says, what are you doing? What's this? What's this Passover? You say that the Lord brought us out of Egypt. It was so vividly personal for them. And, you know, when they said me and us, they never changed that. Even the Jews today who observe Passover still, they still say that. Their children gather around the table. They say, Dad, why are we doing this? And they say, this is so that we remember when the Lord saved us, when he saved me out of Egypt. And it was the same thing for the Lord Jesus. 
the Lord Jesus and his disciples around this table recited these words, when the Lord saved me out of Egypt by his sacrifice. Even though they weren't there, they remember the sacrifice which saved them. Is this a bit far-fetched? Is this pie in the sky or is it true? Well, what about today? A few moments ago, we had a moment of silence where we remembered. Do you remember World War I? Can you recall the Battle of the Somme or the Battle for Britain? Do you remember what it was like in Helmand province? And yet here we are remembering it. We remember it. People like me are separated by generations from the Great Wars, and yet we remember it. This remembering of theirs and ours, it's, it's not recall, obviously, because we can't recall it. We never were there, but it's reliving it. What did you see in the minute or two minutes silence? you close your eyes and you just think and you just remember the things that have been done on your behalf, the sacrifices that were made for you. What did you see? Did you see trenches that you were never in? Did you see those letters that were written to people telling them about their children who were killed, but you never knew them? Did you see the smoke and the fires that you never saw or smelled? Did you see the lines and lines and lines of men marching to their deaths when you never knew any of them? We remember those that we never met, and yet it's real. And although the disciples did never shelter under the blood on the doorposts in Egypt on that first Passover that we read about, they remembered that sacrifice which was made for them. And although we never watched those soldiers take bullets for us, we remember them. So they remembered this Passover and it was very personal, but it was more than that. It was compelling, very compelling. By remembering the sacrifice which saved them personally, then Jesus and his disciples recognized that they were compelled by it. They were obligated by it. It was consequential for them. They're responsible now. Responsible for what? What does this all compel them to do? Well, they must always remember it. We have that in verse 8 there where Jesus says, go and prepare a Passover. We have to remember this. But also they have to do something now. Each person in that upper room claimed to be the personal recipient of the sacrifice that was made in Egypt. They claimed to personally have been rescued by that sacrifice made for them. And so they each felt responsible to live up to it. Having been rescued by their saviour, now they must live for him. They must obey him. They must love him. They must give to him all that they have. That's why we read Exodus 20, where the Lord says to those people, having taken them out of Egypt, he says, I am the Lord your God who delivered you from the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. He's saying, because I rescued you, because I made that sacrifice on your behalf, now you must love me with all that you have. 
It's a bit like that in Nehemiah 9. You might remember the little series we did not too long ago. But the people of God, they read the same story about the Exodus and about Egypt and how the Lord saved them by this sacrifice of his lamb. And they say, we are your servants, O God. Is it just one day a year that we remember soldiers who, uh, who rescued us by their sacrifices in the wars? Every day, every day, not just one day a year, every day we're supposed to live up to that sacrifice. And we'll say more on that now as we turn to our remembrance. If you look at verses 15 to 20 there in Luke 22, look at those words that Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper with. Had the disciples ever heard anything like these words before? They'd, they, had, uh, they had observed the Passover many, many times, 20s, 30s of times. And now for the first time, Jesus hijacks the usual liturgy, the usual service. He turns the millennia long religious cultural tradition of these people and he turns it into something that's all about himself. It's quite bold. He says, from now on, his followers must remember him, verse 9, him. They must remember his sacrifice, which he makes for them, to save them from the judgment of God, verses 19 to 20. And so like the Passover, Jesus expects us to recognize our personal presence and our personal responsibility when it comes to his sacrifice that he makes for us. We're all, we are all obligated here, um, whether you're a believer or not, a Christian or not, we are all obligated to remember Jesus' sacrifice at the cross, which was on our behalf. We must remember it and never, ever forget it. Remember now, remember when the Son of God came from heaven, to earth and took on flesh. Remember that he lived here and experienced all the muck of life that we do and worse. Remember he lives a perfect life for his people to please his father for us. Remember him nailed to a cross, his body broken for us. Remember his blood shed for us. Remember the sin and guilt which condemns us before a holy God was put on his shoulders. Remember that he died under the sentence of death for crimes that we have committed. Remember that Jesus is our Passover lamb, our sacrifice for us. And our remembrance must be personal and it must be compelling. He says here in verses 19 to 20, remember this, which was done for you, for you. Jesus stands before you at this moment and he says, remember me. And this is what he means. He means you. Remember him. Remember him. Remember when he went to the cross for you. 
Christians say that they uh, have personally been rescued by Jesus. It's he, he died for me. He rescued me from slavery, not in Egypt, but slavery to sin and to death. He rescued me from the judgment of God. He died in my place. You know, when Jesus gave his life up on the cross, uh, there were many, 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 many miles away. It was a place called Corinth. And in Corinth were many, many people who had never even heard of Jesus. He was just a, a, carpent, a little Jewish carpenter who lived miles and miles and miles away. They'd never heard of him. He was completely inconsequential to them. And yet, not many years after Jesus died, a man wrote to the people in Corinth and he says, remember Jesus, who was our Passover lamb, sacrificed for us. He says that although you never knew him, although at the time when he died, you weren't there. It had nothing to do with you in that sort of way of speaking. But he is your Passover lamb, died to save you from judgment on your sins. And so you, although you're even further away than Corinth in both time and space, Jesus Christ died on the cross. And though you weren't there, although you didn't put the nails into his hands. Jesus' sacrifice has something to do with you, whether you know it or not. This is a strange concept to us, really, isn't it? A bit unusual, this remembering and reliving. And uh, I don't know about you, but I find that artists get this best. I struggle with it. I'm a scientist in my heart, but uh, uh, the artists get this best. Uh, you might have heard about a man called Rembrandt, Rembrandt is an artist. He paints some fabulous pictures and uh, he, he painted a picture once of Jesus uh, crucified on the cross. And when he painted this picture, he didn't neglect to paint himself into the crowd. Rembrandt knew that although he was never physically present, he was there. Jesus' cross, Jesus' sacrifice for sins had something to do with him. And so he paints himself into that picture. Another artist wrote it down like this. They said, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they pierced his side? And when we remember Jesus, we remember it, we relive it, we say yes. I was there. We're going to sing not long from now. We're going to sing the words, Behold the man upon a cross. My sin upon his shoulder. Before I was born, before I lived, before I committed those sins. My sins upon his shoulders. And ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there. You and I, we were all there. And his sacrifice has something to do with us. In a very true way, we remember the sacrifices that were made for us in war, whether we were there or not. And honestly, honestly, who of us is bold enough to say that the sacrifices of soldiers have nothing to do with us? Nobody would dare say that. 
Well, remember this sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on our behalf was sacrificed. Dare you say that it has nothing to do with you? Remember it. You were there. And this is what makes our remembrance of Jesus and his sacrifice so compelling. You see, since it was for our sakes that so many soldiers sacrificed so much, we're responsible to them now for how we live our lives, aren't we? We must live up to their sacrifice. We must honour them. We must protect what they died for. We must live the lives which they died to save and to keep us free. They have a certain claim over our lives, don't they? They have a claim over how we live and where our allegiances lie. And we don't have a problem with that. Do we have a problem with this? That since it was for our sakes that God in the flesh went to the cross and sacrificed himself for sinners, that we are responsible to live for him. Do we have a problem with that? That it's Jesus Christ who has a claim on our lives and we must live for him. We must follow him now. Our allegiances now must be first and foremost, always and forever, for him, the Prince of Peace, who gave himself for me. Jesus died on the cross for sinners. And now we are obligated to turn and to follow him, to give our lives to him. After all, he was raised from the dead. He walked out of that tomb. He conquered death on our behalf, having secured forgiveness of our sins. And as he leaves that tomb, he says, I am the Lord your God who has delivered you from the slavery to sin, you shall have no other gods besides me. And so we must follow him. We must love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind and our strength. There was a Jesus follower who really understood this uh, from his personal experience as well as in his head. He was a smart fellow. You know, he, he wasn't present when Jesus died. He was, he was alive, but he wasn't present. And he didn't care. He didn't care about this carpenter who had been crucified, if he, if he ever knew that he existed. Does that describe you? One day, this man came to see that when Jesus died, it was for him. Like it or not, he was there. He is responsible. He is obligated now to live for Jesus. And so what this man did is he repented of his sin. He believed in the Lord Jesus and he received the forgiveness of all of his sins. And then he wrote down these wonderful words. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you hear how personal that was? How compelling that was? That Jesus died for me. And now I must love him 
and follow him and give him everything I have. When it comes to Remembrance Day, we remember those soldiers, don't we, who have sacrificed themselves for us. We remember it like we were there. We relive those times. We own those events and say, yes, it was for me. And we obligate ourselves saying, yes, I now must live up to their sacrifice. I must love and enjoy and protect my freedom that they died to buy me. I must live up to that. Jesus says to you now, remember me. Remember my sacrifice, my body broken, my blood shed for you. You are obligated to him now. Standing risen from the dead in glory at his father's side, he says to you, even at this instant, look to me and be saved. He says, repent and believe. He says, turn from your sin and love me. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, cast your burdens on me and I will uphold you. How are you going to respond to that? Let me give the last words to the prophet Isaiah. We'll read a few words from him and then I'll pray quickly to finish and then we'll sing our last song together. So Isaiah 53 says this. This is talking about the Lord Jesus. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that when when we were defenseless and unable to help ourselves or to protect ourselves, you provided so many people, millions and millions, who were willing to step into that breach, to stand before us, to protect us, to sacrifice themselves for us, for our privileges, for our freedom. We thank you for them, Lord, for your providence that gave them to us. And Lord, we uh, pray and ask you, Lord, for the sensitivity of soul to know how best we ought to live our lives now, uh, given that these things have happened. And Lord, we thank you all the more for the Lord Jesus Christ. A drop of his blood is worth more than the millions and millions. Lord, we praise and bless you for him, God in the flesh, who came into this world to find us when we were helpless, defenseless, and without any hope at all, standing condemned under our sins. He stood in the breach, he took every drop of wrath that you had to pour upon us. He took it all upon himself. Oh, Lord, grant us 
repentance and faith. Grant us belief in him. Lord, we were there. Give us eyes to see it. It was us. Give us hearts to know it. Oh, Lord, we pray that you should give us the Holy Spirit by whom we may live no longer for ourselves, but for him. Thank you for him, Lord. Thank you for his death and his resurrection. Thank you for his power. We thank you, Lord, that there is no other gods to have besides him. We bless you for him and ask that we should be allowed to know him better, to love him better and to serve him better for his own name's sake. Amen.